from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, it's The Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. Rachel Cruz, Ramsey personality, number one best-selling author, co-host of the Smart Money Happy Hour on the Ramsey Networks, and my daughter is my co-host today. Thank you for joining us, America. The phone number is 888-825-5225. Cheryl is in Medford, Oregon. Hi, Cheryl. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Thank you, Dave and Rachel, for taking my call. This is a first-time caller, and I'm a little... Um, uh, I'm happy to be here. Well, we're honored to have you. Glad How can you're we here, help? Cheryl. Big breath. So um, I have a question. Um I'm in my late 60s, and I'm married happily to my husband. Um, we have five adult children. I've been listening for about a year. And um, what's changed in my situation is my mom passed away about five months ago. Mm, sorry. And mm. um, thank you. Um, it's been, uh, she was sick for a while, so, uh, you know, it still was hard. But the situation is she left. We grew up on a piece of property uh, there, and she's been there since about 1958 and we all grew up there and now this property is in a trust and we're all trying to figure out how to divide it amongst us and it's just been um really volatile not that i um haven't contributed to it because i i'm you know a woman but um i just want to do and honor the lord and just you know honor my sister and my brother but it's difficult because they've all put a lot of money into the ranch and my mother has it in the estate that she wants it divided amongst us. And we've kind of been an outsider because we've branched in other places. And now uh, we're here now, and we're just trying to figure out our role so in that. So what, what, what is the trust asking people to do, and what is it they don't want to do? Um, the trust has asked that we divide it equally amongst ourselves. How is that fair opinion. if they put money into it and you didn't? Um. Let's see how I go about that. Um, they they invested it in areas that benefited them and in, in kind of a, an area that they wanted to. Um, how did it benefit yeah, them? They didn't own it. Did they make money well, off of that? Yes. One was in uh, hemp, um, trying to grow hemp for a couple of years and building a building that um, utilized that resource. And then another was. Yeah, but in, that building uh, now has a value regardless of whether hemp's in it or not. Correct. 50,000. Yeah. And that, that building, if they built that building with their money, your mom didn't, that should be their money, right? Correct. If I was them, that's how I would see it. Okay. Which is, let me tell you, the whole idea that they would build a building on someone else's property without having everything lined out in the trust in detail was pretty stupid because it sets up a big argument. Your mother and um, your brothers and sisters should have their butts kicked for not doing this properly because it leaves you in a lurch. So they, what is it they're wanting to do, the brothers well, and sisters? I, my sister has moved a lot of property. Uh, let's see, has milled, moved buildings onto the property and put buildings on the property, some of them legitimate and some of them not. And then she wanted um, 150000 for providing care for my mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But the trust doesn't allocate that. No, and then her she lived on the property, and her children did. Fifty percent of her children did at the same time for the last five years. With no rent. Correct. 
Okay. All right. Mm. And so, um, well, uh, so I guess the negotiating is that um, I, I assume you guys have an estate. Is there who's the trustee? My brother. Oh Jesus. Okay. The youngest. And he, so he's really caught in this. Bless his heart. Yeah, be, yeah, he is. Yeah. He, okay. He, so his job, unless you guys come to a mutual conclusion otherwise, he doesn't have a choice. He legally has to follow the terms of the trust, whether he wants to or not. His only out is that everyone agree to something different and go along with it. But otherwise, he's going to divvy this up straight up. He has to, because otherwise he's liable for suit. He has a fiduciary trust responsibility as the trustee to execute the terms of the trust. If he doesn't, any one of you that are the beneficiaries would have have cause against him. So, Cheryl, the fact that you know that there's other, you know, that they've put money into it. How are you feeling? Are you are you on one side saying, yeah, you got to divide it up a third, a third, a third. It's what it says. Or are you like, I want to be fair in this and do the right thing. I just don't know what it is. Where are you yeah. at in all of it? Well, it's kind of complicated because. Um, all the assets are on one part of the property. It's it's worth 2.2, but it's hard. Uh, some of it's exclusive farming, and so you can't really do anything with it and not necessarily can build on it. And that's the part that we've been interested in. But then when we research it, it's going to be pretty expensive to try to, you know, put things that we have to do to live there, and we live about an hour away. Why don't you just Mine? sell it? And that's that's a possibility, too. Your part. I mean, been, just sell your part. Oh, Oh, we we just wanted to farm, you know. It's kind of our way to to try to. Well, we have cattle. We don't have a place for them. We've had a, we have a couple at, at the ranch right now, but we have. Um, so you're thinking about moving on the property? Well, we've been thinking about it, but it's been a next little door to all these people that you disagree with. Well, that sounds that's, joyful. That's, that's what I'm concerned about. Yeah, I know? guess so. That doesn't sound fun at all. Like next door to my brother, who's still mad about something that happened 15 years ago. Oh my God! Uh, I would have to have real good, solid, loving, harmonious relationships before I'd want to live next door to him. And I don't know if this story you're telling me ends there. So you need to consider that part of it. But here's the here's the here's your bottom line on the whole thing. Let's pretend that you wanted to allow your hemp brother and your sister tenant to get a little more than you got because they put buildings on it in my mind uh, the care that she provided for your mom is offset by the fact she got free rent so that's absolute bull i'm dropping that one if i'm you but um she gets nothing uh she already got it it's called free rent and so then, then whoever brought buildings on will take the value of those buildings mm-hmm. out of the equation and then split what's left three ways, then they get their buildings back. And so that because you should not benefit, I don't think, ethically from them putting a building on the property because you didn't put money in it. It's their money. Again, the whole thing was dumb, 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 dumb that you all let the, that the family did this. Doing this stuff is how people end up not speaking to each other generationally. You end up with the Hatfields and the McCoys. And so, yeah, you're just, you're, it's just dumb. But anyway, it's all, that's water under the bridge. But let's say that you said, all right, we're going to take the buildings off. Now we run an appraisal. Then you get your buildings back. 
on so you you know you got you got your buildings back and then i get my third of what's left i would agree to doing that and no hundred and fifty thousand that is exchanged for the free rent if you all agree to that then little brother the trustee can go along with that otherwise he has to execute the trust he does not have a choice this is the ramsey show Guys, it's no secret that the real estate market is weird right now. So go with a mortgage company you can trust to have your back. Churchill Mortgage. Churchill is Ramsey trusted because they're stable, reliable, and focused on you. At a time when a lot of companies are being bought out or going out of business, count on Churchill Mortgage to stick around. They've been doing things the right way for over 30 years, and they'll keep doing them the right way for 30 more. Get started at churchillmortgage.com. This is a paid advertisement. NMLS ID 1591. NMLS Equal housing lender. 1749 Mallory Lane, Suite 100. Brentwood, Tennessee 37027. Dr. John Deloney, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Debbie is in San Francisco on line five. Hi, Debbie. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Maybe not. I think I messed it up. Let's try again. How about now? Debbie, you there? I am here. There we go. What's up? How can we help? Well, I just want to know if, if there's ever a time when it would make sense to pay off home debt with um, traditional IRA. My situation is that um, I re- recently retired, and before I retired, we were cruising along. We have, owe on our house about 65000 um, We had everything paid off. Um, my husband's self-employed and had a business credit card that he would pay off every month through through that. And all of a sudden, we had a situation after I retired where we had a series of unfortunate things happen. So now I'm sitting here, and it's like we owe $64,000 on the house. We now have a brand-new car loan that I didn't plan on buying for another year or two. And um, we're, we're basically retired. My husband's still doing a little bit of side work. But How old are so you? I'm, on, I'm 65. And how much is in your retirement? We have $1.1 million. Why did you not just take out money and buy a car? Because it's all in traditional. I don't care. So, yeah. Well, okay. So that that's that's my question. Is, you have no is, money okay. except your IRAs? Well, we had about $40,000, but now it's down to about five. You, you have no money, basically, except your IRAs? Correct, yeah. You have a million dollars in traditionals? Yes. Way to go. You're millionaires. You're amazing. I, it's it's great, but I'm so the fact that it feels all trapped kept it from feeling amazing. But just let's just take a minute here and go, hey, Debbie's a millionaire. Woo! Let's just stop and say that, right? Well, thank you. Yeah, it does. It does and her old man is too, because he took the ride with her. So there we go. But yeah, <laughs> all right. So what do you own? A stupid car. Okay, so we owe thirty-two thousand. Okay, so you need a hundred grand. So you're gonna have to take out a hundred and fifty. Ta-da! Yeah. Okay, so it's my stupid tax, right? No. You have to pay taxes on it. Yeah. Yeah. You might as well pay some taxes. I, okay, so I'm so relieved that you're saying this. Yes. Yeah, We the only time we tell people not to cash out retirement at your age to pay off debt is if they don't have enough. Like if you told me I have a $500,000 mortgage and I have 600000 
in my retirement, I'd be going, Ugh, that's a hard one, right? You're not, but you're not looking at that. You got 900 grand left over when we finish talking, right? And, right. Uh, and then the other time we tell people not to use retirement is if they're not over 59 and a half, so they get penalized. So you don't uh, cash out I, your 401k when you're 45 because the government takes 10% plus your tax rate and they kick your butt. So all you're going to get hit with is the taxes that you have never yet paid on this earning on these earnings. Oh, I'm going to sleep so much better tonight. <laughs> okay. So yeah, so you're debt free. You're debt free by the end of the week. You got a couple uh, keystrokes on the computer to do to get the money out and get over there, and then you're fine. Um, and it's it's and you've got mandatory required minimum distributions at 72. You know that, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That, that we're very aware, very aware of that. But yeah. I just felt like I had screwed everything up. No, you haven't screwed everything up. The only, I mean. The only thing you did is you probably bought a – I might go back and revisit that car decision. Oh, it sounds like you guys absolutely. panicked. But, uh, but yeah, but either way, um, you know, uh, you got the money. You're millionaires. I mean, you, you can make a $40,000 mistake when you have a million. You can't make a $40,000 mistake when you have 40000 It's kind of a problem. So, um, But you set yourself up. And it's not even a mistake because you actually own the car, and now we're just paying it off. The only big mistake was that. So – that that that's the process all right let's go to uh joel in houston hi joel welcome to the ramsey show hi ramsey how you doing better than we deserve how can dr john and i help well thank you so much for taking me on um but see i'm calling you today this is because i'm very nervous um about the new student loan payments you know, resuming and everything mm-hmm. um so i'm 24 years old you know i make sixty thousand dollars a year and I am soon to be married, so I'm currently engaged. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, what do you do? Uh, yeah, so um, I am a – so I work in logistics, uh, transportation logistics. You got a supply and, chain degree and you make sixty grand. Yes, sir. Well, that sucks. You need to make more than that. You're probably worth eighty. <laughs> I'm working towards it yet. Yeah, it took a while to get a sixty. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, dude, the marketplace right now is about 80 for a newly graduated. I mean, you got a four-year degree in supply chain? Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, you're underpaid. I'll just tell you. You need to go look at it. Anyway, what, how much student loan debt have you got? <laughs> uh, so I have about 30000 on a car. You know, 30000 Joel. And you make sixty. Okay, how much is your student loan debt? Eighteen k. Okay, and, and your fiancé, what does she do? Uh, she works for um, a government facility. It's a ch- children's assessment center. Um, you know, they, they take care yeah. of children. They're having what she make? Whatever. Um, she makes $19 an hour. And she has a four-year degree? Yes. Criminal justice. Okay. Uh, the two of you are vastly underpaid, so we're going to work on your careers for sure. Um, you bought a car you can't afford, sir. The car is in cray cray land. Nutty. <laughs> Nutty. Thirty a sixty thousand dollar car, you make I mean you make sixty and you have a thirty thousand dollar car, that doesn't work. You don't have a student loan problem, you got a car problem. <laughs> yeah, I you know, Ner- nervous I, laugh means you're gonna money. keep it. What's that mean? And listen, dude, I well, I drove the streets of Houston. That's where I grew up in a nineteen eighty eight Tercel Easy hatchback. A thousand <laughs> bucks. You don't need a forty thousand dollar car when you're broke. 
That is true. It was just an emergency. I had no... No, no. it was not a $30,000 emergency. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> the beer just fell in my mouth, officer. No, you bought it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, man. Uh, nervous laughs aside, the number one mistake newly minted college graduates make is they go buy a car they can't afford. So you're not dumb. You just did what most college graduates do. You went and bought a car you can't afford. And if you don't hear this loud and clear, it's going to hold you back. Because if you didn't have a, what, $650 car payment making 60000 you wouldn't be calling me about the student loan debt. So right. if I woke up in your shoes, if you were my son and you call me, my nephew and you call me and you said, I'm getting ready to get married, Papa Dave, uh, what should I do to get ready to have a great life with this woman I'm in love with? I would say work on your career. You're underpaid. You're worth more than you think you're worth in the marketplace today. You're a stud. Supply chain is an excellent degree field. Way to go. Good choice. And you bought a car that indicates you were doing drugs. So stop. <laughs> doing this stop 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 get rid this would be papa dave talking to my nephew i'll be going you're, you're out of control dude you got to sell it so the best thing you can do for the future joel and the future joel's wife is to get rid of this car and get you a beater and get rid of the student loans as fast as you can by living on beans and rice rice and beans and work on your career choice and she needs to work on hers you go get a four-year degree to make 19 dollars. you can make 19 dollars at target if you didn't even get out of high school so um, that, that's just ridiculous. She, again, you both have accepted positions, and you've somehow justified or rationalized it that you're, you're both worth more than you have been so far. But it's time, time to work on those two areas. If I were you, that's what I would do. Yeah, my, my dad's a criminal justice professor. I know that's underpaid. I know that's too low. And there's a number of things you can do across that, that field. Well, yeah, a whole bunch of stuff you can yeah. do with criminal justice. Yeah. But but that's not $19. Right. So, I mean. What do you and by the way, that's, that's, the, that's when, when, when we say that, that's when she says, well, I really love working with these kids. I said, I get that. Yeah. I get that. But right now, you can't afford to do follow your heart or do mm-hmm. your passion thing or whatever Instagram's telling you to do because you got, y'all got you bills to pay. Quit your job and work with a youth group of the church, but that doesn't make sense. You, you I mean, got you bills gotta, to pay. Right. You, you do work with a youth group of church and work a job. That's, that's right. how you do that. You do both. You, know, you can't mix the two up and be underpaid. It doesn't work. So. Hey, man, we're going to put you guys through Financial Peace University as our wedding gift. Hold on. Austin's going to pick up, and uh, we were messing with you pretty hard, but if you listen to what we said, it's going to help you. This is The Ramsey Show. I saw some recent financial statistics, and there was some pretty troubling news. When families were asked how long it would be before they faced financial hardship if a spouse died, nearly one-third said they'd be in trouble immediately. Another 44% said they'd be financially drained within six months. People, it does not have to be this way. Term life insurance plans are just plain cheap, and companies have made it even easier by not requiring exams in many cases. There really is no excuse to leave your family in this situation by not having life insurance. This is why I talk about Xander Insurance every day. They're committed to protecting families with the only products that I recommend. And their team keeps the entire process simple and affordable. Go to Xander.com for quick online pricing or call 800-356-4282. This has to be a priority. If your family is in this situation, you need to get this done. 
Jade Washaw, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. The Ramsey Show, question of the day, sponsored by Neighborly, your hub for home services. From repairs and maintenance to remodeling and upgrades, Neighborly's trusted home service providers have trained local experts to handle almost any job. Download the Neighborly app, and you can connect to all the help you need. These are great people. They are. Today's question of the day comes from Paula in Georgia. My son's school is running a food bank, so I sent him with some highly requested items, such as peanut butter, canned soup, and tuna fish. When my husband saw them, he insisted we don't donate quality items like these and instead only donate rice and beans. I'm aware that you've told people to eat beans and rice if they're on a tight budget and cannot afford to indulge in nicer foods. However... I also know that you value generosity and giving, and I didn't see anything wrong with donating something other than beans and rice. Do you believe that the same principle applied to those on a tight budget should also be applied to recipients of food banks? Oh, brother. I don't mean to laugh, but it's just so silly. That's silly. It's silly. Yeah. Number one, when we say beans and rice, honey, it's a metaphor. A metaphor is a, a representation philosophically of an actual item. I am not suggesting that people only live on beans and rice. I am suggesting that you quit spending so dadgum much money on food, especially <laughs> eating out all the time. So probably prime rib is not on your list sure. or lobster tail, but possibly even some hamburger helper might make the list. You don't have to just literally do beans and rice. It's a metaphor. I think this guy was just looking for an excuse to be a tightwad. Oh, he, he didn't have to look for an excuse. He already was. <laughs> I mean, goodness gracious. And it's not like tuna fish is that big of an upgrade from rice well, and beans. I mean, come on now. And here's the deal. I mean, what we're talking about is you limiting your consumption so you can create margin yeah. to move ahead. We're not talking about those poor people don't need any good food. What in the world, dude? Terrible. Seriously. Seriously. Yeah, that's horrible. Yes, they need some good food. Send them some good food. You cheapskate. Your wife is right. Your son is even better. Learn from them, sir. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. If you're going to give something away, be generous with what you're giving. That's right. Holly, I'm going to give you a car, but it doesn't really run because you can just (laughs) figure that out for yourself. What in the world? You know what, Dave, though? Okay, so I've been here about 13 months, 14 months. I am shocked at how many people I've encountered that think the beans and rice, rice and beans thing is literal. Let me tell you what's worse. Okay. 30 years of doing this. Mm -hmm. I have had precisely 4,732 offers to co-author a beans and rice cookbook with other listeners. (laughs) I made that up, but it's close to 4,000. I mean, it's unbelievable. Then I... And apparently it would be a bestseller if we could just get the people that wanted to co-author it Look. with me to buy it. But yeah. People no, keep asking me about it. And a I'm beans like, and rice Ooh. cookbook. No, it's, it's, a, it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. Yes, you can, eat, you, you can eat different foods. Look it up. Way. Look up metaphor. It's good for, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, but we oh. don't need to be going out to eat every night at some fancy spancy thing. Or for that yeah. matter, for fast food. Yeah. Because it's fast, but it's not necessarily food. And the um and you know you're working so that you can learn to put yourself as a guy used to work for would say we're working so i can get enough money that i can read the menu from left to right i know that's right i don't start with the price i get to start with the thing and pick what i want prices Mm -hmm. are irrelevant but when you're broke 
you self-manage your consumption, not other people imposing on you their their beans and rice. Mm -hmm. So, oh my gosh. Yeah, then you're entering into like a judgment kind of zone, I think. And it's like, well, just be generous if you can. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. You, you kind of missed the point, sir. Yeah. Kind of, not kind of. You did. You did. All right. Ayla is with <laughs> us. Ayla's in Washington, D.C. Hi, Ayla. What's up? Hi, Mr. Ramsey. Hey. Um, I was wondering if we should pay off our current mortgage and relocate for a current, cheaper mortgage. What's making you ask that question? Wait, wait, wait. Pay off your current mortgage and, or relocate and get a cheaper mortgage. What would be cheaper than a paid off mortgage? Um, so we bought a house that needed to be fixed up. So we fixed it up and now it's, we just had a realtor come out and tell us what we could list it as. My husband was in the military and just got out and his job fell through. So it kind of shook us and we just wanted to move somewhere with the proceeds to have a cheap enough mortgage to be covered by my disability. Okay, um, so you're not you don't have the opportunity to pay off your mortgage. You're talking about moving to a less expensive property because you're scared about his income. Right. Why do you think he's not going to get an income? Um, it's not so much that he wouldn't get one. We're just um, kind of thinking about reprioritizing our time. The house that we bought is a historic house, so it takes a lot of maintenance. We do a lot of the work ourselves. That's and, a different discussion. Uh, what do you owe on that house? Uh, four ninety, four hundred ninety thousand. Okay. I already don't like the house. I hate that we have spent so much time on it. We can get some good money for it and get something I like is a good, reasonable move. Mm-hmm. I'm using okay. his lack of a job and a cheaper mortgage as my excuse is not okay. Okay. Um, you see the we're, difference? We're just kind of, we're both, yeah, we're both on the same boat. So we're just, you know. The boat where he doesn't work? Just that he has more flexibility and we're not. Doesn't tied work down much. How old well, is he? not right now. How old is he? We're 25 and 26. Okay. He needs to get a career, darling. It's not good for yeah. him to not work much. <laughs> I'm not saying he won't work. I I'm am saying he needs he... to get a career where he works. Okay. I'm hearing the code words in your language. Uh, 100%. And you're, he's not wanting to work much at all. And that's worrying Part of it is he point. got knocked out of the saddle and didn't get the uh-huh. other job, and it's he's lost some of his confidence. And you're clearly worried because you're talking about selling your, your house, house and relocating so that you could only live on your disability. Like you said it with your own words. I don't think that that came out right. We okay. he wants to work. That's not the issue. The issue is is that we want to be more flexible with not having to deal with the house and not having a mortgage that's so high. Is the mortgage and more than twenty five percent of your take home pay? It is now that he's not working. But before that, was it? No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Okay. Okay. So your mortgage amount is not your problem. The house. If you want to get rid of a house that's a money pit where you work on it all the time, I don't blame you. I would do that. Okay, but let, let's not couch that in. He wants more flexibility, 
And when I'm mm-hmm. talking about his job, your answer is he wants more flexibility. It wasn't when I was talking about the house repairs you said that. So okay, I didn't yeah, I didn't no, misunderstand if, you. You said it real clearly. So what what we need to do? Let's 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 parse this out and break it up. Number one, the two of you need to get really good, cool, strong careers that you're passionate about. I will send you a copy of Ken Coleman's book from Paycheck to Purpose. Number two, it doesn't sound like your mortgage is off. Me neither. And I'm I'm actually wondering Number three, I would sell a house, it's a money pit, and I had to screw with it all the time. It drive me nuts. That's true, but I don't know that if it's a money pit, that's one thing, but I don't know. I'd be interested to know more. She's in Washington, DC. Where does she plan on relocating? Mm. Where she's gonna They may be moving to a whole different city too. Yeah. That's possible. But yeah, which would be less expensive for sure. Yeah, I, I'm getting rid of the money pit. But I'm also getting a career. Yeah, they need and probably getting a house about the same price range that in the money pit mm-hmm. when I make the move. That's that would be my advice to you guys. Don't don't mix these things together and create some kind of false narrative that's not really going on. Okay, that's what I heard you saying. I think you were saying it whether you wanted to or not. Mm-hmm. This is the Ramsey Show. Fake it till you make it. It's popular career advice, but it doesn't work for very long. If you don't love what you do, you can't fake the enthusiasm and energy you need to win at work. You also can't fake your physical health and energy. Everybody knows we should eat more fruits and veggies, but fruit chews and veggie tips don't count. If you aren't winning physically, I promise you're limiting your opportunities to win professionally. Folks, I know you're going hard right now to pay off debt and get ahead professionally. You need another gear, and that's why Balance of Nature will help you. They help me. They give me the benefits of fresh, whole fruits and veggies in just seconds. The blend of 31 different fruits and veggies is powdered in an advanced process that locks in the nutrients. So go to balanceofnature.com and enter the promo code RAMSEY to get 35% off your first order and lock in a lifetime price as a preferred customer. That's balanceofnature.com with the promo code RAMSEY for 35% off your first order. George Camel, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. You jump in. We'll talk about your life and your money. Johnny is with us in Irvine, California. Hi, Johnny. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi there. Thank you for taking my call. How are you guys? Better than we deserve. What's up? Great. Well, I'm calling to see what you guys would do if you were in my shoes. I'm 22 years old. I fully support myself. I take home about $5,000 per month. I have zero debt. I have $60,000 in savings, a $3,000 emergency fund. And I've been listening for the past year or so, and some of my friends and mentors are into long-term real estate investing. So I've been saving toward that for the past couple of years. Ideally, I'd like to start building some long-term wealth. And so I just wanted to see what you guys would do if you were in my shoes. Wow. You are beyond, beyond ahead of the game. Well done. Very well done. Thank you. Well, I um, probably have a different view on real estate investing than your mentors. Sure. And I probably own more than they do, <laughs> given that I own about $600 million worth, okay? Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, the uh, uh, I, I do not believe in borrowing money, Johnny, because you and you've heard that listening to the show, and I don't for my real estate investing. I pay cash for it. And so... The first real estate investing I did, and I've always loved real estate, um, that I did after going broke and starting completely over, and with this new I don't borrow money thing, 
uh, as a part of the guidelines uh, was I didn't do real estate investing at first. I just started piling money in mutual funds. And when I got enough in, in, an, in, in an index fund is what I used, an S&P 500 index fund, when I, it took me about five years to buy my first income-producing property. I paid cash for it. And then I took mm-hmm. all of those rents, net of expenses, and any other money I could, and I threw it in an index fund until I had enough to buy another property. And then I took all the rents from the two properties and any money I could scrape together from anywhere else, book royalties or whatever else, and I bought another property for cash. And every time I bought another property for cash, I had more cash flow to buy another property faster than I did the one before. Does that make any sense? Yeah, that that makes perfect sense. That is a very long-term play versus what you have been considering until this phone call. Sure. Because you're thinking about getting up a down payment and going buying a nice little duplex in California. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm telling you to wait and pay cash for it, which your friends aren't going to like. And I don't really care. They're wrong. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) But you called knowing you were going to get a different take, which tells me you're actually interested in this take. I am, yeah. I've I've just been curious what to do because I feel like I've I've been saving decently and I'd like to continue that. Um, But, you know, once you get a certain amount of money, I feel like it burns a little bit of a hole in your pocket. You're you're ready to jump into it. Yeah, and you've done really well, Johnny. I mean, let's face it. You're 22 years old. You have 60,000 bucks in the the bank and no debt at all. And you're making 5K a month. You're killing it. Ding, ding. Very impressive. And it doesn't sound like you lead a, a super luxurious lifestyle. You're a saver. I, I try to be, for sure. There's, yeah. there's a balance. So the key so is to what, keep living on less than you make. What would be interesting, if you want to be really nerdy, I don't know how nerdy you are, I'm real nerdy, is, and I've done this a couple of times, it's, and it, it, always, it always works, that's why I'm putting you up to it, is if you say, all right, when I'm 42, would I rather own $10 million worth of real estate with $8 million worth of debt, or would I rather own $3 million worth of paid-for real estate? Yeah, I think the clear answer is the three million. Yeah, and then here's what's ent- here's the here's the exercise: run mm-hmm. out the the purchase snowball, which is not a debt snowball, but the, the way I talked about a while ago: rents buy more, buy more, buy more, buy more. Everything's folded back into the next deal, and the slower start ends up with a faster end. The sl- faster start ends up with a slower end. My way is slower start, but has a big time payoff at the end because it hockey sticks from an exponential mathematical equation perspective. Does any of that make sense? Yeah, definitely. It does. Because when you get all this property that's sitting there paid for, you are buying more property faster than you would have if you had a whole bunch of property that's not even close to paid for, and it's not cash flowing nearly as generously. So the sure, math says I can buy I can buy more property faster now. It's ridiculous what my real estate fund now looks like from my real estate income. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, because <laughs> I'm at the back of the story, right? So, mm-hmm. but I can't get people to to think long term. And I might have just got one 22 year old to do it though. I'm impressed. He sounded interested. Yeah, we if we could just get off TikTok, we'll get there. <laughs> For real. Jake is in Des Moines, Iowa. Hi, Jake. How are you? Hey, guys. It's an honor to speak with you. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. How can we help, sir? 
Yeah, so I'm 35 years old, have no debt, and am about to step into baby step six. And my question is, uh, you talk about uh, baby step seven, living and giving like no one else. I have no problem with the, the giving aspect of things. The part that is a little tricky for me to wrap my mind around is the living like no one else because uh, I am a pastor. And so to be stepping into baby step seven, hopefully here in the next five or six years, I'm trying to imagine life in my 40s living like no one else while being a pastor and, and living in the community of people who, uh, who pay for, <laughs> who have paid for my uh, financial success, you could say. I don't, I don't know how else you, you would put it, but how, how should I think through that as I look forward to the next five or 10 years? Yeah. Well, um, don't muzzle the ox as he treads out the grain. You probably read that scripture, right? Yeah. And a worker is worthy of his hire. You probably read that scripture, right? Mm-hmm. So are you a good pastor and you're worth what they pay you? I, I sure hope so. Okay. <laughs> then if you use that money wisely, in Christianity we would call that good stewardship, wouldn't we? Mm. Yeah. And I think you're modeling for those people what good steward, what the results of good stewardship are that it ends up with wealth. Mm-hmm. But we're taught by the by Karl Marx, not by Jesus, that wealth is evil. Mm-hmm. Wealth is not evil. People are evil. Particularly some of them in your church. I'm kidding. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh not much. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> But yeah, but, but uh, so you're always going to have a hater, whether you win or you lose, if you do it at scale, Mm, Yeah. if you lose, you aren't a good steward and you're horrible and you worked your whole life and you have nothing to show for it. And we call that being a good steward. That's not a good steward. That means you did a bad job handling your money. Mm. So you're supposed to model for your congregation, how to, how to be a good husband, how to be a good dad, right? Right. How to be a great leader. We're supposed to model in Christianity. It's called a witness. We call, and yet when it, my, my friend Craig Rochelle says, why is it that wealth is the only blessing from God we're supposed to apologize for? Mm-hmm. And I've got several friends that are pastors that are uh, a decade and a half ahead of you, and they're facing the exact same thing because they have systematically, carefully invested in, uh, in their 401ks and in their Roth IRAs and in their retirement programs, and some of them have bought real estate carefully and they, they don't have jet airplanes. They're not on TV. You know, that it's none of that junk. They're just good guys as a pastor and they've been careful with their income. And most of them are millionaires because they did the stuff I teach. But now mm. there's always some duper. This is well, a pastor should never be a millionaire. Yeah, that's what I want. I want my pastor to be broke and stupid. No, I don't either. I want my, pa- I don't want, I want, you know, pastor should never Listen, I want my pastor, I want his marriage to be something I can look up to. I want his kids to be something I can look up to. I want the way he handles money to be something I can look up to. Because obviously the book he is reading has having an effect on his life, and I want to know more about what that book called the Bible says then. But not if you're out, you know. So, But you're always going to be criticized, Jake. Whether so, it's about your message or the car you drive. There's exactly. going to be someone out there. And, you know, you have to get... If you're a Christian, you have to drive a used accord because that's what Jesus said. They were all in one accord. (laughs) Oh, that one still gets me. This is The Ramsey Show.
Live from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, it's the Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. Dr. John Deloney, Ramsey personality, number one best-selling author and author of the brand new book coming out in two weeks, Building a Non-Anxious Life, is my co-host today. Thanks for joining us. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Peter is with us in Miami, Florida. Hi, Peter. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi, Dave. Thank you. Thank you. How can we help? So uh, I'm wondering what role you think I should play in helping my financially irresponsible mother. Mm. You know, one of the things that it's weird about that question uh, for a lot of us is when we face that is it seems like money is in a different category than other misbehavior. Mm -hmm. If you changed out her misbehavior for something else, a different kind of misbehavior, or irresponsibility, um, what would the, how would the answer change? It, it shouldn't really, should it? It ought to be the same answer. So in other words, if we wanted to go extreme and say, how do I help my mom who's addicted to cocaine? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, it wouldn't be give her more. Right. It would be help her break the habit and transform her life. That's help. Help is not doing more of the bad thing. Help is correcting the behaviors so and of course the person that involves the person on the other end wanting the help yeah that's i usually run into parents don't want your help they want your solution right yeah i would she 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 just has no issues uh you know coming to me again and again and again and again and a nibble here and a bite here and you know i i I know that the big bite is coming but hold on but hold on hold on why wouldn't she come to you because you give it to her every time Right, I know. And so at this point, I don't even blame you're, her. You're anymore. a dependable enabler. Yeah, I don't even blame her anymore. I am, I am. And you know, it's it's the, the nibbles. I don't mind, and I know that this is about the bad thing to say, but that's what got her to the bite. And you know, next thing I know, she's telling me that she rents she rents her house because she's been bankrupt, etc. So she can't get a mortgage, and she can't frankly afford a mortgage down here anymore. Um, so. She came to me because she needed money for movers. She needed money for her security deposit, her first month, last month, which I did all of that. Uh, And then I sort of dug into her finances and realized that you can't even afford this rent. So I tried to get ahead of that. And fortunately, I'm doing very well for myself and my family, but I'm doing well for myself and my family. Mm -hmm. And I've got two young children and a wife and a mortgage and a business to run. Um... So I, I just so Peter, how long how long has this been going on? Oh, I mean, her financial responsibility. No, you giving her money. On. You giving her money. How long has that been going on? Uh, probably five, six, seven years. How old is she? About seventy-three. Oh wow! And she's stone broke. Yeah, and recently widowed, which only you know made me softer. My my, my stepfather passed two years ago, three years ago. Mm-hmm. So obviously that I was trying to and, help. And, and what her. do you make? Uh, family household income is probably three quarters of a million. Okay. And um, so it's not a matter of you can't or can, you can mathematically. Yeah. It's a matter of what's good for her. She's 73. She's probably not very employable. 
Um, I guess she has social security. She does have a job. I'm sorry. She does have a full time job. She does have a full time job. Okay, I retract that statement. What does she do? Uh, she's a uh, customer service, and she has been for about 20 years at the same job. But you know, she's one fall away from mm -hmm. yeah. not being able to work anymore. Yeah. Okay. So I'll tell you the financial answer, and I'll let John tell you the psychological answer. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, the financial answer, if I'm in your shoes, is I'm going to sit down with her and say, Mom, you have this coming in from your Social Security. You have this coming in from your job, and these are your bills. Let's do, uh, let's do a budget together, and um, you can make your bills, or you're within $400 of making your bills or whatever it is, okay? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I am not going to write checks just from today on without us having a sense of control over what's going on here. So I'll help you and coach you with your money, but um, it looks to me like you have enough to live on. Mm -hmm. And I'll help you and coach you live on that. Or if you don't have enough to live on, I'm going to give you $2,000 a month so that you have enough to live on. It's 24000 out of 750000 You can afford it. But you say, this is what we're doing. But then the, she needs to um, just, it, it, it's, you're becoming bitter, and I would too, yes. because you feel like an ATM machine. Exactly. And then and, and there's an entitlement that goes with this on her end. And so I would shut all of that down and just say, okay, this is a system, and we're going to live by this system and uh, draw some boundaries. And, Mom, if you don't want to do that, what I'm, if you don't want to live on the budget that you and I put together and that I check on you to make sure you're living on that budget, then, um, then I'm not going to help you anymore. And you're going to have okay. to f just figure it out because it's not good for you what I've been doing. And I'm sorry I've let you down. John, what would you do? Yeah, I wonder if you're more frustrated with yourself than with her right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I just <clears> – <throat> every time I try to get ahead of it, you know, for example, when, when she was looking at this rent, um, I said, you know what, I'm just going to buy her an apartment. And then she can just pay me – you know, what she can afford. I, I was going to buy her an apartment outright. And I was scrambling because she was looking for a rental that she couldn't afford. None of these places could she afford because we kind of, not a deep dive, but we looked at her finances. And then I realized, okay, it's, this is just easier for me to buy an apartment. At least then I can consider it a quote unquote investment of some sort. Um, <clears throat> and I presented her with it and she said, no, I don't want to live there. I'm just going to rent this other place. And that hold on. And that's where you who are clearly a special businessman to be able to make the money you make. You're clearly very, very smart, and I would be willing to bet nobody in your, in your sphere blows past you like that, but she does. Right. And Absolutely. I don't want you to consider um, sitting down at the table and saying, I'm looking that you, at the fact that you may be around until you're 93, 20 more years. We have to put some things in concrete right now. I want you to tattoo this phrase on the middle of your forehead. Choose guilt over resentment every time. Because right now you're backing yourself into a corner because you won't set boundaries and you're beginning every time your mom calls, you get angry. Yes. And your mom, quite sure. frankly, deserves better than that. 
And that means you have to set the boundaries up. And then she as a 73-year-old adult can say, I hate you, you don't even love me, and you walk away. She's a grown-up and she gets to do that. I would hate that, but she gets to do that. Your job is to create boundaries that are sustainable for 20 years from this point forward. And by the way, sit with your wife and y'all decide what y'all are going to do to help her um, before you sit down with your with your mom. Yeah, how much you're willing to do. But the unlimited thread being pulled on the sweater is killing both of you. Yeah. You got to cut it. This-, this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, if you can't even remember the last time you had half an hour to yourself, be honest. Ask why. It's probably because everyone else's schedules, priorities, and emergencies are driving your life. And when you can't keep carrying that load, talking to a professional therapist can be a game changer. Therapy can be a place to work through your challenges with time, boundaries, commitments, and your own self-worth. Therapy can be incredible for figuring out what even makes you happy anymore and how to go make that happen. If you're thinking of starting therapy, try BetterHelp. Because therapy isn't just for people who've experienced trauma. It's great for building skills to be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is completely online, so it's flexible enough to fit your schedule. Just fill out a short questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra cost. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Deloney. Jade Washaw, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Jane is in Knoxville. Hi, Jane. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you, Dave? Better than I deserve. What's up? Oh, need so much help. I need one of them swords to slay a huge dragon. I may be your toughest case you've ever had. <laughs> anyway, my husband is around, he's fixing to be 65. I'm around 59. And we have 10 kids. I'm homeschooling my last one. She's 15. Anyway, long story short, um, I had to go to work. He got really sick, and so he can't work like he used to. So I'm now working. I started working this past year, and we are definitely need help. Um, we have um, quite a bit of debt and I don't know where to start. So I have a car that we made a huge mistake and got a new vehicle, and uh, we owe about fifty-four, maybe 53000 on it, which is, I know, crazy. But we didn't really have a good vehicle for me to go to work in, so I, we did something stupid. So long story short, uh, how do we – that was my first question. Do we sell that to yes. try to get out of this debt? But I finally realized that we're old enough. We need to – wish we had these things in plan. But I've been a homeschool mom all my life, so yeah. this is all new to me. Yes. Kind of what's, done the, what's, the, what's the car worth? Um, probably 42, yeah. 43. What's your household income? Together now, we make almost about 85, maybe yeah. 80 to 85. Yes, you need to sell it. Okay. So yes, how do you do yes that you shouldn't have bought it. Yes, you shouldn't have. Who's I got know. the loan? Uh, Hyundai. Okay. How bad's your credit? It's good. I have good credit because... Yeah. But well, run over at the credit union or your local bank and get an unsecured loan for 15000 buy a $3,000 car, and cover the 12000 hole you're in and sell it. Okay, could you say that again? Okay. Go get you got to borrow the amount that the you're in the hole Okay. in order to sell it, plus $3,000 to get a car. Okay. Because you got no car, right? No, he has his truck for the farm, but yeah. we don't have a car. Right, get you a little $3,000 car to get around, and okay. you, don't, you don't need $43,000 car to go to work. Okay. 
So is that the first thing to do? We have a tractor payment of forty and um, a small forty thousand dollars on a tractor. Yes, we have a five hundred acre farm that he's trying to still take care of. Like I said, he got COVID really bad. He got really sick, almost died. So it changed our lives two years ago. Um, you live on the farm. Yeah. We do live on the farm. That's a long story, but we can't sell it because it, we found out it's in a trust that his parents had put in. So we, we take care of it. We have no money to take care of it, but what we make. And so we can't sell it. So uh, we have Sell the tractor and lease the land. Okay. Let somebody else farm it. Your husband's okay. sick and you can't afford the tractor and you're not making any money anyway. Sell the tractor, lease the land. That sounds great. Let somebody get another farmer to lease it. What's your husband been growing on it? Um, we have corn. Um, I'm trying to think what all he does. Uh, corn, soybeans. Um, they've, they've done a lot of different stuff, too. Yeah. I'm not even sure. I mean, if it's pretty standard deal is other, another farmer in the area farms it, and you get a percentage of the crop as your lease payment. Okay. That's a pretty standard arrangement i assume that can go to you i don't know you you don't own it i know it's a terrible situation i don't know if it goes to the trust or not no it doesn't i mean if you make money on the farm you don't have to give it to the trust right no we don't because we have to pay the taxes and all the stuff for it uh it's just in it's just in a trust i mean all the land's tied up in a trust who is the parent I'm sorry. What did you say? That's okay. I'm I'm uh, I'm aghast. Um, yes, so am I. This is we not a blessing. So this is his family farm. Mm-hmm. His grandpa had it. Yes. His grandpa's grandpa had it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so they don't in, they they put it into a trust so that it doesn't get sold. That's exactly. And then we didn't realize that we actually paid money for the house when we moved here. But we did not know until after they passed away that they actually put the house in with the trust. So we don't even own the house. Okay. Wow. And so I assume upon your death that the trust goes to your kids. Yes. They're cursed with this as well. That's exactly right. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Exactly right. I guess there's no way to do anything about it. I don't know. I don't either, but I'm going to see an attorney. Uh, and try to figure out because I don't, my obligation to a toxic situation is pretty low. Um, I mean, what happens to this beautiful plan if you all just move off? I don't really know. Quit paying the taxes. That's my question. Yeah, the trust will get, trust will lose it if you don't pay the taxes because you're getting no benefit from this thing at all. No, we're not. And there's no penalty on them. That's why we are where we are. Who is the trustee? My husband is. The trustee, the, the trustee, trust, you need to go see an attorney. Okay, do you recommend one that might uh, No, I go to an estate planning attorney there in Knoxville. Find, Ask around, find out who does good estate planning work, because this probably needs to be busted up. I hate to sell family land like this, but it has become a curse rather than a blessing. That's right. And yeah. I love land, and I love family tradition and legacy, and I'm about as, the older I get, the more emotional I get about that kind of stuff, but this has not been a blessing to you, and it's not going to be a blessing to your kids. That's right. Because it's poorly structured. And so y'all need to figure out what the flip. So go, yeah, spend a little money on an attorney. Let's get out of the car and get out of the car deal and get out of the tractor deal. What other debt is there? 
Uh, we have a personal loan for about 30 that we just had to live on since he got sick, and that's yeah. really it. Because you have so many payments, you can't breathe. Yeah, That's right, and nothing really. And nothing coming <laughs> nothing in. To sale. Yeah. Well, once you get out of that car and tractor, you'll be able to throw something at that personal loan and knock that out, Yeah, and then that'll be it. Right. Yeah, just tear that down and tear down whatever hole you're in on the car, and you may be in a hole on the tractor as well. Mm-hmm. But um, maybe you can get a farmer to take that tractor and buy it as a part of leasing the deal. That's if good. you want to investigate that, but also investigate uh, busting up the trust, which, by the way, will solve the whole problem because now you're in control of the asset. You can sell off, you know, 50 acres of this, and all of a sudden you've got some money and you're debt free. So, um, and keep a 450 of it. I mean, you'd be just fine. So, Dave, you get in a, you, somebody passes away and you're part of a trust or you're part of their will. You can't, you can't just simply decline and say, I don't want it. Well, you can fail to perform the things they're asking to perform. The weird thing here is that he's the trustee, the trustees who has the control. Mm-hmm. Um, and so depending on, I'm not an attorney, but depending on how the trust is written, the trustee is supposed to execute the terms of the trust, but also the tr- if somebody's going to break it up, it's going to be the trustee and her husband's the trustee. Yeah. So if it was some third party attorney or his uncle or somebody was the trustee, then he, you know, you might not be able to get anywhere with it. But when you're the trustee of your own trust, I mean, that's yeah. weird. It's weird, that but it weird. can, yeah. So um, somebody was trying to do something good and honorable and nice and keep them, keep yeah. it in the family, but uh, instead they handcuffed the family yeah. and um, have left them in a toxic situation. So that's what you've got to be careful of of these things that go in perpetuation. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, a small example of that that's not nearly as uh, emotional is, you know, we just went through the um, if Dave dies this year meeting mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. my family and with the leaders. I have to do this Monty Python meeting every year. I'm feeling much better. It's just a flesh wound. And um, we just talk about what happens this year if Dave dies. So one of the things that one of the tenants is it's written down and that we go over in that meeting every year is that uh, nothing that we do at Ramsey Solutions is to be kept alive because it was Dave's dream. Okay, that's good. You're set free from sacred cows. That's good. You should put a bullet in all sacred cows and eat them. Turn them into <laughs> hamburger. Although you would not eat them. I was going to say, do we have to eat them, Dave? Can we just... I want to eat them, but you I'll be dead and you're a vegan, so I'll, we're screwed, I'll turn right? it into a leather jacket. Yeah. How about that? There we go. Now we're talking. <laughs> Get some use out of that burger out of that beefalo but anyway yeah the, the, the sacred tech cows and that's that's what these things become especially yeah. generationally like this yeah where you're like four generations down and what you can't have the foresight to know what what's going to happen I, four I generations wanted to turn my now. i turned the kids loose and the ramsey team loose from doing something that i thought was good 30 years ago or 20 mm-hmm. years ago kill it move on I want them to turn loose emotionally and legally. Yeah. You, you go to the next thing. Go go to what God has given you to do. That's good. This is the Ramsey Show. George Camel, Ramsey personality, is my co-host. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Royalty is in the house. 
uh, one of the top YouTubers in America today, or in the world for that matter. Graham Stephan has become good friends with me and uh, through George. I was good friends with George long before that. I've been uh, blessed to be on his show a couple times, and he's dropped by here once before, and uh, they were in town. So he and Jack and I just um, just did a version of his iced coffee house. And did I say that right? Iced coffee hour. Hour. Iced coffee hour. <laughs> it's like hour. smart money happy hour. It would be in the house, but there we go. Yeah. So if you don't know who Graham is, you need to check him out. $130 million worth of real estate he has sold in his life. He does a YouTube channel on finance and on real estate, and it's a lot of fun to check out Graham Stephan. Be sure and do that. And uh, they had uh, last month, they had about 100 million viewers on all of their various forms of TikTok and everything else, and four and a half million subscribers on YouTube. So uh, if you don't know who he is, it's because you're not in that format, and that's the only way it's possible. You're not that hip. All, of us, all of us who hang out anything around that know who Graham Stephan is. Welcome back. Thank you so much for having me back on. So good to have this. you. So first question, because yeah. you, you and I both share this huge love of real estate, and these interest rates ticking up, highly unusual across the landscape of the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, are you seeing, what are you seeing out there? Slow down, uh, prices. What are you seeing? It's definitely slowed down a lot. So what I've noticed a lot of the smart money, it seems to be either buying real estate in cash or they're waiting on the sidelines. And I think a lot of people look at real estate from an investment standpoint and think, why would I buy real estate today making a six to maybe 7% return when I could use the same money to buy treasuries without any work, any risk at five and a half percent. And there seems to be a tipping point right now where, where deals are very difficult to come by. There's a lot of competition and sellers are locked in to these very low mortgages. They have very little incentive to sell. If they have a mortgage that's 4%, why would they sell and replace that with a 7 or 8% mortgage? It doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Consum- so, investors aside, consumer to consumer seem yes. to be having that discussion. Oh, absolutely. They're, they're saying, yeah, I could sell my house. The price is still really good. But then I got to go buy a house at 3x or 4x the interest rate. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, I could refinance it later, but they're really not thinking that way. They're thinking, uh, I'm just going to wait on this a minute. Yeah. And well, I think 60% of mortgages right now are locked in 4% or less. Yes. Substantial. Yes. That's almost all of them. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's the, the number below 2% is bizarre. Yeah. That's out there. So cool stuff. So uh, stock market's doing well. Yeah, and it has Like been. you said, the treasury's there. But that's the little secret. Everybody in the media, the mass media in particular, is talking real estate and failed to mention that the S&P in the last 12 months has done about, what, 16 18%? About that. At the peak, it was up almost 20%. Yeah. Wow. And that's just yeah. the S&P. I mean, that's Correct. just if you just bought an index fund, which people do with their eyes closed, right? You know, yeah. that's, no, that's a no brain, no thought thing. If you actually invested and thought about it and studied a little bit, you could do better than that. Yeah. I and mean, Graham, I'm curious, a lot of your videos, of course, for YouTube, we have to be a little salacious, right? There I mean, has to be a little to. doom and gloom to yeah. get the people to click. But what are your real thoughts when it comes to the economy? What's going to happen in 2024? Where do you think things are heading? Are you been dooming mean? and glooming on your YouTube? Uh, yeah, well, you, you got to. Because otherwise people don't click. Now, my videos, I like to be pretty unbiased. I like to share the facts. present the entire picture, let people come to their own conclusions. But if you don't make a somewhat negative title, oh, okay. no one the will negative click. Sell. The <laughs> videos itself usually are, are pretty positive overall, but you have to lean into that because otherwise people just don't pay attention. But you seem like an optimistic guy. 
you know, just talking to you, you are very optimistic about the future, about oh, finances, totally. where the economy is going, and you're invested in the stock market and real estate. Yeah. Well, I think you could do well regardless of how the economy does. I think that's a component of it, and it might be a bit short term in terms of the next few years. I have no idea what, what could happen. Everything that I would think is going to happen turned out opposite. I would have no prediction in terms of what might happen. But I think long term, uh, I believe in myself, my ability to make money, I think for most people, they have a lot more direct control than they think. Mm. Mm-hmm. And you're betting on the American economy long term. I think so. And of course, I diversify. I have international exposure as well. But it's a small component. But I do think that's important. Yeah, the, the interesting thing is, is that people get confused between investing and speculating. Mm-hmm. Speculating is a purchase that you're going to turn fairly quickly. It does, it's not an evil word. It's just not investing. Investing always involves a long-term time horizon. And when you're investing with a long-term time horizon, let's call it five years or more, 100% of the time I'm comfortable with the stock market. Oh, it's down. Then get in. It's on sale. You know, 100% of the time I'm comfortable with the real estate market. Well, I don't know. Five years from now, you're going to not be doing that. You're going to be glad you bought a property. Mm-hmm. You know, so a long-term time horizon, like you said, uh, to me, it, it just smooths everything out and change you know then you've got historical track records and things start to kick in do i know what it's going to do between now and this time next year so i could do a flip no that would scare the crud out of me that's why a lot of home builders aren't building specs right now yeah Mm. they they can't they can't you can't predict it i mean economists and weather forecasters the only people can be wrong half the time and keep their job right absolutely and then you could be right once and and then then you're a genius forever you're a genius that was my one thing you could write three books yeah well, I'm curious, Graham. You're yeah. getting uh, married next year. Yes, I it's am. very exciting. Yes, yeah. I didn't know. And you didn't know this. I got announced on the Congratulations! I thought we. I thought you knew about this. This is public yeah. knowledge, right? Yeah. I didn't break yeah. this news. <laughs> no, you did not break. Well, the I'm news. curious. Yeah. You were asking Dave in an interview earlier, which little teaser there about you know his relationship with his wife Sharon mm-hmm. and marriage. Is there anything you're curious about? Kind of maybe nervous about when it comes to finances and and combining those? Not really. Macy and I are pretty attuned when it comes to money. Uh, and she's naturally very frugal. Like, like she, you. Yeah. And to some degrees, I would say it's it's a good balance because I'll certainly go out. I don't fret anymore of like going to dinner and spending $100 on the bill. Whereas like five years ago, that would be like, well, if I spend $100 here, I could cut back $100 over here and then it balances out. And if I if I skip this over here, then I could... I don't do that anymore. So I've I've really come Learned into to enjoy your money a little bit. Uh, yes, yeah. To a certain, I'm still frugal, but not to the same degree. You notice that's like, when he got married. Ah, now and <laughs> now he lightened up a little dinner. bit. I lightened up a <laughs> just bit. a yeah, little bit, a, a little bit. bit. Yeah. So you and Macy are both tightwads, and so later you'll make little tightwads. This is great. Yeah, it's gonna be yeah, so fun. This is great. Well, a bunch well, of cheapskates. What are you willing to splurge on these days as you've started to like let go of some of that and enjoy it a little more? I would say experiences are something that in the past I would usually forego that to work more. So I would say experiences. Uh, I would say dinners are something that I've really been enjoying and going out to eat a few times a week. And I would say saving time, which is something that I've never really oh, done spending before. money for time-saving conveniences. If, if I could, uh, like for instance, if I get a nicer seat on the airplane, but that means that maybe I could work a little bit better. If I have a slightly larger seat, I could I could put my computer in front of me and if I could get something else done, I see that as a, as justifiable expense. 
So there's certain things that, that I sense. could do to save time. Well, if you need any tips on spending, ask Dave. He's really good at enjoying his money. He loves experiences. He's traveling all over the world. So that's part of it is, you know, give, save, spend. You got to have that's balance good. there. Yeah. So what's the biggest advice with you having the, one of the largest YouTube channels on real estate and money in, in the world today? What's the biggest piece of advice in this current environment you've got for folks listening? I think it really just depends on what their objective is. I mean, my big thing is always save as much as you can, spend less than what you make. I think those are just important qualities to have in terms of career, though, because that's where I've really gotten the biggest benefit is just the channel and the outreach. Uh, the savings certainly helped, but the income that I made from that was certainly a big catalyst. But I truly loved what I do, and I still do. It's like, to me, the work never felt like work. It was always something fun. And that's where things came really easy for me. And I feel like if people could find what they truly love to do, where it doesn't feel like work to them and they could spend all day doing it, that's how you typically will succeed in areas where others just can't keep up. Exactly. That's your unfair advantage, I think. You're more creative, you're more energetic, and you have to watch because you work all the time. Oh, it's yeah. just fun. Oh, yeah. It's fun. Congratulations. Thank I'm you so, proud so much. Of you. And congrats Thank you. on the marriage. Thank this you. Awesome. Thank you. Give Macy our love. Good stuff. Graham Stephan. Be sure and check out his shows on YouTube, The Graham Stephan Show. And one more time, the name of the show I was Iced just Coffee Hour. Iced check out Dave Ramsey hour. on there. Yeah. I messed it up. I didn't want to mess it up again. <laughs> be sure and check it out. Thanks for stopping well, by, my friend. Thank you so Good to much. See you. This is The Ramsey Show. Listen, I know a lot of you would rather watch paint dry in slow motion than file your taxes. But thankfully, you don't have to dread filing when you've got Ramsey Smart Tax. It comes packed with everything you need to file online before the big deadline. That means all major federal forms and deductions are covered with no hidden fees. Plus, with Ramsey Smart Tax, you can save up to 70% compared to other tax software out there. It's a no-brainer. Just go to RamseySolutions.com slash smart tax and see how simple tax filing can be. That's RamseySolutions.com slash smart tax. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Deborah is with us in Los Angeles. Hi, Deborah. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi. Thanks so much. I've been listening to you guys for years and appreciate all you do. Well, thank you. Um, I have, you're very welcome. Um, I have a question for you. I've been listening for a long time, and yesterday I went into... Um, to adjust my own investments because I um, we've been focused on other things. I wanted to get everything set up in the four different types of mutual funds you mentioned. And the guy um, who is not a uh, not a Ramsey uh, <laughs> certified uh, financial pro, but he um, he mentioned a term that I'd never heard before. When I brought up mutual funds, he asked me if I'd considered ETFs, and I have no idea or I hadn't heard what that was he explained it to me and it sounds very similar to a mutual fund so i was just wondering if you could clarify what the difference is and why a mutual fund is better than an etf i don't know that a mutual fund is better than an etf etf just means exchange exchange traded fund and for purposes you would use it for uh they're very very similar they're almost identical uh it's a group of um you know, a group of stocks, if you're buying an exchange, you know, typically what people will do for an ETF is something like an index fund, like an S&P 500. And so it'd just okay. be a group of stocks in there. Now, sometimes uh, brokers will try to get you to buy and sell in your portfolio a lot, and they like an exchange-traded fund for that better. Um, and so if you're setting it up to do, like you'd set up a brokerage account to buy and sell stocks in, I would not use it for that.
But if you're using it like a mutual fund just to buy and hold, you're going to find it's almost identical that you didn't really, you're not going to notice any difference in the practical use of it. So uh, sometimes I hear things like, well, Dave Ramsey's against ETFs. I'm not against ETFs. I don't mind. What I want you to have is a diversified portfolio, mutual funds, ETF is either one of those will give it to you. What I don't want you to do with an ETF is start buying and selling all the time. And I don't want you to use any vehicle of investing that, that prompts you to constantly be jumping in and out, jumping in and out, jumping in and out. Because every time the, 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 you know, the, the, the news is good, by the time the news is good on the stock market, you're late. You should have already been in. By the time the news is bad, it's already too late for you to get out. And so people that try to jump in and out based on the news – and you're not saying that, Deborah. I'm just saying, but in general, if you're trying to use an ETF to time the market, we call it, then then that use is not something that you know that we would tell people to do ever. Because I don't time the market. I just buy and hold. I never sell it. I just buy and keep it. And uh, it, well, the stock market went down. Yeah, I know. Stock market went up. Yeah, I know. And if I just sit there, uh, then I'm fine. And so. But, but for your purposes, Deborah, I think he's fine as long as you're going to stick with it and as long as he's not, your, your planner is not recommending the ETF for purposes of timing the market or buying and selling or constantly trading on your funds. I don't be trading on my funds all the time. I buy them and hold them. The only time I sell a fund is if uh, it's just completely underperforming its category over a long period of time. And I don't remember the last time I sold one. It's been a long, long time. Because I just I play long ball all the time, play long ball. I'm always thinking, what's this going to be 10 years from now? What's it going to be 20 years from now? Not 10 days from now, not 10 months from now. The emotions don't drive it. And again, Deborah, you're not being accused of any of that, but I'm trying to couch my ETF answer here so I don't get misunderstood again. Because I'm not anti-ETF, I'm anti-timing and I'm anti-constantly trading. Because it's effectively gambling. If you try to play the market, you can really you're get You're no longer quickly. investing, you're speculating. That's correct. Yep. And, and, and you are, you know, from a statistical standpoint, not a spiritual standpoint, you are gambling. Right. You know, and so, uh, and sometimes I hear people say, in the, in the Christian world that I'm in, you know, they'll say stuff like, well, all, all stock market is, is gambling and you shouldn't be doing that. Well, you don't understand what gambling is. <laughs> Gambling is not based on, gambling is based on, a, it's a game of chance. Right. Yep. Meaning you don't have any control or any insight. That's right. Over the, over the output. That's right. Investing is you buy a piece of real estate. Why? Because real estate's always gone up and real estate in that neighborhood is a great neighborhood. It's got nice trees and it's going to be good and whatever, you know, and, or if you're in Arizona, nice cactuses or whatever, I mean, whatever it is. Right. And so, you know, we're going to. But we have actual outputs that we're measuring, and, and we can look at the probabilities, and it's not just a, a deck of cards. It's not a slot machine. Yep. There's a complete difference, and there's a difference in the spirit by which you go at those things. So none of that has to do with Deborah, but <laughs> but Deborah, thanks for the question. Jessica's with us in Madison, Wisconsin. Hi, Jessica. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi. Thanks for having me on. Great. How can we help? Um, so... My question is, I had received some money when my dad passed away. We used that money to pay off uh, vehicles and use it as a down payment on our house. And all we had for debt then was a mortgage. Since then, we bought a tractor and built a barn. We were told to just let the money ride in the market. We were never going to touch it. That was, that was retirement money. 
as I've been listening to your show the last couple of weeks, I'm wondering if that was the best advice we were given and if we should pull the money from, you know, the stocks and pay off our debt. And then, yeah, and then you need that, to quit buying crap you can't afford, like <laughs> barns and tractors. Uh, it, it, it's stuff needed for our oh, business. Oh, bull. <laughs> you're, buying, you're buying stuff you can't afford. Okay? okay. You know how I know you did that? You borrowed on it instead of paying for it. If it was such a yeah. dead good investment, you would have already used daddy's stock money on that. Hello? Yep, I'm, I'm here. Yeah. I, my, my question is, do we pull the money from the, the stocks? and? No, you don't, the... unless you're going to quit borrowing money in, on the next thing that you rationalize and justify. But if you're stop rationalizing and justifying your purchases on debt, because you're going to eventually run out of this if you keep this behavior pattern going. But if you stop the behavior pattern and say, I'm never borrowing again, we're going to pay cash for everything we do from this point forward, then, yes, we did this. But the last time you paid off all your debts, what would you do? The next time thing that came up, you went back in debt. And so if I tell you to pay off this debt, next thing that comes up, you're going to go back in debt. I don't want that for you. That's not a, that's not a method to prosperity. That's a method to bankruptcy. And so – You've got to put your, you know, you got to spit shake and uh, pinky swear with your husband. We ain't, we're not borrowing money anymore. If you're going to do that, then yeah, take the money out and pay off the debt. But otherwise, you're destined to live a life of put and take. We're going to pay it off, then we're going to go back in debt. We're going to pay it off, then we're going to go back in debt. And eventually, we don't have any money to pay it off. Eventually, you run out of the nest egg doing that. So you've got to break this pattern. And you were very clear. We. Used some of the money, cleared off all the debt. Wait, how did we celebrate? We bought a tractor and a barn and went back in debt. You've got to break that cycle. You can't do that again and again and again. It, you know, there's an end to it, and the end ain't pretty. So that's what I want for you. Um, and there's no rationalization, no justification. You've got to be done. You'll be done. you got to decide. We're done. You know, it's an investment. It's always an investment. Everybody says everything's an investment that they want to buy, but most things aren't. Yeah, and this is a key point about Tractors behavior. Tractors aren't investments. Or the barn. So what happens is when you feel the need to have something, you have to go, okay, what's the least amount of thing that I need to do what I want to do? Could we have done a shed that we could have paid cash for? What's behind these purchases? Not prospective opportunities. I'm going to need this barn one day. If we don't need the barn now, then we don't need to buy the barn now. And I think that's where people have got to start looking at this and going, wait a second, what do I really need? Do I need a big tractor or do I need an old used tractor that'll do the job? And that's what people have to do or else you justify debt. Almost every one of us buy a different thing when we buy it with debt than if we had bought it with cash. I agree with that 100%. Almost every one of us. Yeah. And you buy a bigger, badder, cooler. That's correct. Crazier. Yeah. Nuttier. Yeah. Dumber. Right. Thing. You got to find a with, way because do it, it doesn't feel like it's real money when it's the bank's money. That's absolutely right. And that's the that's the trap of this. It's a it's a siren song. Yeah. And it you, you know, you'll crash this puppy on the rocks. And that's what the sirens do to you. Look it up. This is The Ramsey Show. Live 
live from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, broadcasting from the Pods Moving and Storage Studios, it's The Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. Thank you for joining us. Open phones at 888-825-5225. That's 888-825-5225. Dr. John Deloney, Ramsey personality, host of the book, own host of the book, author of the book, the number one best-selling book, uh, Own Your Past, Change Your Future, and the brand new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, which is on pre-sale now. All of those things and host of the Dr. John Deloney show on the Ramsey Networks. He's my co-host today. Thanks for hanging out. James is with us. James is in Orlando. Hi, James. How are you? Hey, how you doing? Thank you so much for having me on. Sure, man. Um, What's up? I, so I'm having trouble getting to pay off my debt. I've tried many different things, make budget apps, different things like that. And I've just come to the realization over the past few days, actually, that I'm just not, I, I, I lack the discipline really needed to stop living paycheck to paycheck. And the saddest part is I have a really good salary. And, what, what's your, uh, what's your really good really, salary? Um, I make 170. Oh, that's impressive. Okay. How much debt do you have, sir? Uh, uh, collectively, I have 27, uh, $27,000, $28,000. What kind of woke me up on this is I ignored my debt for years. Um, and then one of my, both of my credit cards were canceled and I settled one of them and that was fine. And then the other one, I honestly completely forgot about until a few days ago when I received a, I was served because they're suing me for the debt. And that kind of woke me up where I said, I need to stop pushing things. I think I kept pushing things forever because I said, well, you know, I have a good amount of money coming and, you know, my next paycheck and I'll deal with it then. But how how long you been uh, making 170 James? Just for about six months. What were you making before that? Um, I was making, I I was out of work for about a year during COVID, Mm -hmm. which really hit me hard. Mm -hmm. And so during that I was doing Uber Mm -hmm. and making, you know, about 20,000 a year before that I was making 90. What do you do? I work in politics. Okay. Consulting. Okay. So is that cyclical? Does that go away in another nine months? No, um, I, I, this will be my salary at least for the next few years. Um, I don't anticipate it changing or changing jobs. The, some things to keep in mind, too, I have to have two places to live because my job commutes a lot between here in Orlando and in New York City. Some of my uh, colleagues that I work with do hotels, um, but most people just end up having two places of residence. So, Do, do, you, have, have do you currently have two places of residence? Yes. And how much is the New York apartment? The New York apartment is um, two thousand. And how much um, is the Orlando um, apartment? Um, Twelve hundred. Um, but my my girlfriend uh, and I split it. So okay. So so well, this is um, sorry. The twelve hundred is what I pay in my split. Okay. So this is forty thousand dollars. So so basically, you've been spending somewhere all of your money for the last six months, which is $85,000. It's other than some rent is unaccounted for. Yeah. So where are you spending your money, James? 
So it's a combination of me living beyond my means. Yeah, um, yeah, I think. And also, yeah, it's a combination of that, but also the, there are some key different things that I just don't have that I think, so for instance, I don't have a car. I do need to get a car. And instead of, because, you know, I've been, my credit is and I've been worried about where is $80,000 gone in six months. You're starting to sound like Congress. <laughs> it's me. It's me. It's, I've been renting cars a lot. Um, instead of buying, I, my girlfriend's out of work. So I've been covering a lot of her expenses and then I'm living yeah. beyond. So my that whole thing on really. splitting the rent was bull crap. Yeah. She, she'll, yeah, yeah, she'll, yeah, yeah. She, she does that, but beyond that, but beyond that, I've been covering a lot of things. So it's, I definitely need to get my stuff together. The other thing to keep. The, okay. Let's the let here's what I do that. in these situations. And I, I have mm-hmm. to set a new set of things instead of going, I'm, I, I'm just not good at this. I've not got any discipline. I, and you keep naming off all these things that you are, that you actually aren't. It's just what you do. Um, that's not your actual identity. Uh, so what I decided a year, a few years ago, I had the blessing of going completely bankrupt and losing everything. So I didn't have a choice. I was in an extreme situation. The only way I could eat would, was to behave. The only way my children had a warm home was to behave. I didn't have a choice. And so what I've done with folks like you over the years is I want you to put yourself mentally in a space as if you don't have a choice. Let's just pretend this. Okay. Let's pretend that you go to the doctor this afternoon and he says, you need $27,000 by Christmas or you're going to die. All of a sudden, James, you would be a person of discipline. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, your budget would be perfect. All of a sudden, your stupid decisions would go away because you would have one goal. I want to live. I want $27,000 by December. And suddenly, all of this bull crap that's running around in your head would co- become laser-focused, and you'd be going, $27,000. James got one goal. Stay alive. Get $27,000. No other goal matters. No other crap matters. My colleagues have two apartments. Who gives a crap what your colleagues do? You are a broke guy making 170. You got to change some crap. Really? This has got you got to you got to get up in your face, man. Get up in your own grill and go, that's enough. I've had it. I am. This is crazy. I'm ashamed. I'm disgusted with how this looks and how this feels. Cause that's what you've been telling me. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'm so disgusted that I'm going to change it. And if you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, James, that's when you change your life. Yeah. Cause you, you know, stupid people don't make 170 grand a year. They don't, they yeah. don't even get hired. Okay. You couldn't even have gotten the job if you were stupid. So you're not stupid, but buddy, you've been doing some stupid stuff, hadn't you? Yeah. So stop it for real. Just pretend you need $27,000 by Christmas or you're going to die. And all of a sudden I'm not renting any cars. I'm going to go get me a $4,000 car and put it down here in the driveway. Or I'm going to Uber somewhere and I'm going to Uber. I'm not renting any more cars. I'm going to quit. We are not going out to eat and Hey, uh, chick, you need to get a job or you need to move out. Cause I'm getting rid of this $2,400 apartment for two broke people. If you don't. Mm-hmm. And Oh, by the way, I'm getting out of this New York lease for sure. And we're going to rent a 
cheap, stinking hotel over across the river and haul your little butt over the Staten Island Ferry over there and get to work. And, you know, you don't have to spend that kind of money to work in New York. Um, you got to change some stuff, man. It, that, that, if I'm you, that's what I'm doing. But you got, you got to turn this disgust into behavior change, this shame into behavior change. This is The Ramsey Show. Folks, changing your family tree takes more than rice and beans and side hustles. It's also about transferring the big financial risks off your family by having the right kinds of coverage in place. That's why my team created the Coverage Checkup Quiz. It only takes about five minutes to find out what types of insurance you need and don't need to protect your finances. Make this quiz one of your regular checkups starting right now at RamseySolutions.com slash checkup. That's RamseySolutions.com slash checkup. I'm Dave Ramsey, your host. Rachel Cruz is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. If you like what you hear, help us out. We need your help. Subscribe to the show. Click the subscribe button. Click the follow button. Share the show. Clip a link out. Click a cut a link out and send it to your friends or click the share button. Anything like that that you can do helps us. It moves everything around in the algorithms and lets people out there in the land of YouTube and podcast know that we're there. If we're listening, if you're listening on your local radio station, thank you for that. Tell people that we're there on talk radio, 680 talk radio stations right now. Thank you very much. And even uh, TBN, we're on TBN every day. So if you get that app or you're watching that on your cable provider, either one, thank you. Thank you for hanging out wherever you are and help us spread the word and leave a five-star review. Say something nice. Saying something nice on the Internet. That would be cool. That'd be, that some, be, that'd be nice. a new thing to say that something nice, nice on the Internet. Uh, Jacob is in Fort Worth, Texas. Hi, Jacob. How are you? Doing well, sir. How are you doing? Better than I deserve. What's up? Hey, I was just calling because uh, obviously I, I enjoy listening to you and uh, respect your opinion. Thank but you. My fiance and I, we're looking to move from Fort Worth back to our home state of Minnesota. Cool. And so I was looking to get your opinion about kind of what to look for when buying our first home and um, looking at like a, a fixer upper versus a house that's already in like pristine shape. Uh, maybe in a growing market. Our idea is that we're not going to be here forever or in that home. So we're looking to grow equity um, in the smartest way possible. Fiance. Did you say fiance? Yes, sir. Yeah, my fiance and I. Yeah. When are you getting married? Um, well, we keep pushing it off. We've been engaged for about two years, but we uh, originally from Minnesota. We moved down to Kansas City for two years, and then we moved to Fort Worth kind of on a whim. And then decided, so we're hoping to get married at the end of next year, but our goal is to buy a home first. Don't. Do not buy a home with someone you're not married to. You're going to get yourself into legal, relational, spiritual, and financial trouble. Don't do it. Don't do it. I talked to a gal, okay. a gal yesterday that called me. She had been living with a guy for eight years. They had two cars in their names, four credit cards in their names, and a house in their names, and he left. You know what she is? Screwed. She can't get she Definitely. can't sell any of it. 
because he won't sign the titles to any of it. He won't pay the payments on any of it. So she's being forced into bankruptcy because of this right here. Don't do this. Go to see the preacher and get your butt married before you buy a house. Okay? Because you're going to get a mess, dude. You're going to get in a serious mess. Don't do that. I've been doing this 30 years. All I've heard is pain around this subject. No one ever gets blessed by what you're trying to do here. Don't do it. Please don't do it. Now, once you get up there and you're married, because you're going to go get married this weekend. Now and you know it's me. her. Y'all have been together two years. So I'm like, just get the yeah. license. You guys are married. You're acting like you're married. You're basically married. Yeah, Painter, get off the ladder. Yeah. You got this, Jacob. So, yeah. anyway. I, mean, I believe I in you. To, uh, I debated about that. Um, you know, part of it was going to get our license, like you, like you just said. And then all of, the other part of me was thinking about, like, it was her special day. So I kind of wanted everything to happen at once. Yeah. But her goal is to, this is our biggest investment, and we're not looking to, you know, a lot of people take out loans, and they have these uh, fancy weddings that cost so much money, but that's not really what we're looking for um, for the long game. But it is still her special day. Yeah, it is her special um, so you, day, you so don't screw it up with buying a house before the special day, and then y'all have no special days. Definitely, definitely. Okay. So you recommend, um, you know, like just going to get a simple license? or, or, or I don't care. I mean, life. y'all figure it out. Figure out what, you, what, well, the what, point her, is that, what her special day looks like. But I would not put your name on a deed with someone that you are not married to. You're creating what your attorney would tell you is called a general partnership with no general partnership documents. And so, and I've seen all kinds of horrible things happen to people in these situations. Some of them are just mean. Some of them are sad, but it just, it's a mess. I have one guy, his fiance got killed now and there was no will. She got killed in a car wreck and now he owns a house with her mother. Talk about awkward. That story. Yeah. Talk about awkward. I That's a I mess. So don't do that now. Okay. Now. So y'all figure out how, whether you know how you're going to get married, but before you're married, before you buy a house together, get married. Now let's pretend you're married, and then we'll answer your question. If you're brand new married, I would not buy a fixer upper. Fixer uppers are hard work. It's tough. It's distracting. I would want you to focus on each other and be in love instead of hanging curtains and tiling pe- a and peeling old old wallpaper. Because off. let me say this. It, it's it's romanticized on HGTV. It, uh, it, it feels like, oh, my gosh, we're going to fix this house up and get what we want, all of it. And it does end up being usually more expensive. The time frame is longer. You're dealing with contractors. You're trying to – I mean, you, it's a second job is basically what that is. And, and so for you your live, first year of marriage, you, you live in that. dust, perpetual yeah. dust. It's it, dust it's not, and all some, the and time. Some people do it well, but it sounds a whole lot better than the actual reality of it. There, there, there's nothing good about it. I've renovated one house while I lived in it. It's a disaster. I'm sitting yeah. in a lawn chair right. on plywood floors because everything's ripped up watching the Super Bowl one time. I told Sharon, I said, you might be a redneck if you're sitting in your own house inside in, in a, a lawn chair on a plywood floor watching the Super Bowl. That's what renovating a house is. It ain't Chip and Joanna. I'm just telling you, nobody's hair's done. The makeup's not right. It's all bad. Okay, there's no reality in reality TV. HGTV has ruined your perception of this thing. So no, I would not do a fixer upper. Not my first house. If you're going to do a fixer upper, don't live in it while you're doing it. Live somewhere else, fix it up over there, then move in it. If you want to do a, if you want to get a, some equity from some work being done, it can be a little little bit of light work, like. We've got to do. We got to tear all the landscaping out. We got to run a coat of paint through the thing. 
that's okay. But this idea we're going to knock down walls and, and, and you know, the decorator is going to prance through and tell you, uh, no, no. And the kitchens, no, you're killing me. No, don't, please don't Now, your don't expectation, do though, may have to lower that, depending on what you guys can afford, yeah. the, you know, that it won't be this top of the line either, though, right? So, like, there's a, there's a, you're right. a medium I, there of, like, yeah. But, but that's a good be. point. I, I forget that these reality shows that aren't reality, that have nothing to do with, they're scripted as they can be. Um, and the hilarious thing is people in the industry call them unscripted TV, but they're about, they're more scripted than a dadgum sitcom. And then, and they've romanticized it. Make, make, yeah. cause, you know, between commercial breaks, the whole thing gets done and, and it, no, it's eight months later and you're still sucking drywall dust while you're trying to sleep. You know, it's just, it's nasty. I grew up in the construction business. I've done probably 1500 rehabs in my life i used to do it for a living you don't want to do that it's yeah, not yeah it's not what tv portrays it to be you're right about that i had thought had not thought about that part of the problem sounds dreamy and romantic yeah it's not it's not fun yeah um i i know it's shocking to you people but those people on the bachelor could have got a date without the tv show it's shocking i know but um yeah it's it's if they were really looking to not be a bachelor, it probably could have worked it out. But um, so without any anyway. So, yeah, that, that's funny. R- Rachel's favorite show. Is that your favorite show still? Uh, it's moved on to The Real Housewives. The so Real Housewives? We can, talk, we can talk reality TV another day, Dave. You uh, will not like my reality TV. No, people I don't like any reality TV. And The Kardashians' new season's out. You know? Oh, I love it. Gosh. I think it's all fantastic. You are so culturally relevant. I think I... That I am. That I am. <laughs> you kept mentioning Tiger King even like six months ago. I was like, oh, Dave, no one watches that anymore. No, I mean, that, that was a that COVID was, thing. That was a thing during the Fauci pandemic. But hey, Love is Blind talks a pandemic. lot. We watched Tiger King. Yeah, but Love is Blind talks a lot about money. There's a lot of and conversations around it. None of it makes sense. Yeah. All right, no. there we go. <laughs> you never know. Uh, good luck, Jacob. I hope it works out for you, my brother. Uh, sorry you called in and got a speech, but I don't want I don't want bad things for you. I, Dave's I love monologue. you and I want, I want you Jacob, to win. Jacob, you see how I feel growing up? Oh, yeah, that's, that's what that's I got. what Rachel got at the dinner table. In a table. living room. Still in counseling for it. This is The Ramsey Show. Knowing your purpose is the key to escape your meaningless 9-to-5 job, increasing your income, and finding work you actually love. That's why I created the Get Clear Career Assessment. You'll discover your top talents, passions, and mission, and then job opportunities that you'll be a great fit for. You'll get clear on what you were born to do. The truth is nothing's going to change until you take action. Order your Get Clear Career Assessment at RamseySolutions.com slash get clear. Jade Washall, Ramsey Personality, is my co-host today. Sam's in Austin, Texas. Hi, Sam. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How y'all doing? Better than I deserve. How can we help? Well, um, you know, I'm calling because, you know, I've, uh, over the years, we, or the last couple of years, we bought a house. Things seemed to be going okay. And then we ended up getting kind of taxed on the actual build of the house. And that just kind of started a slippery slope where we started having to pay more than what our mortgage originally was. And we ended up relying on a lot of credit cards and it got really bad. And right now we're in, I'm, I'm especially in collections for a lot of cards and 
my wife has a few. She was sued. I got a case coming as well. And I, I just don't really know where to turn or how to turn this around. It almost seems kind of hopeless. Mm. Sorry, Sam. How much credit card debt do you, is is there total? Uh, probably around probably fifteen to sixteen thousand. And how much income do you guys bring in every month? Uh, every month, um, about six thousand. Mm-hmm. How much is your house payment? Twenty one hundred. How much are your car payments? And, and, and we only have one car payment, and it's two fifty. And as far as like the the, the mortgage, it's uh, when we were being taxed on the improvement after about a year of uh, having a lower payment, it was about twenty seven hundred. And now we're down to I finally paid off the um, the uh, overage on the escrow, and um, now you know the twenty one hundred is about normal. Okay, all right. And what do you guys do for a living? Uh, I'm in technical support, and she works uh, in a dental office. Okay. Your mortgage is high. Your car payment, is, all car payments are bad. This one's not super bad. Yeah. Um, the credit cards are, uh, I, the way you were talking, I thought you were going to tell me you had 100000 in credit card debt. Um, the weight, The weight that you're emotionally carrying, listening to your voice. Um, yeah. I I'm, think I'm the pleasantly mo- surprised it's only fifteen. Me too. Yeah. I think the mortgage being a third of your take-home is really what's, and it was higher than that for a while. But even that, where where else do you, are you guys just disorganized and you were living in panic and money's just flying out of there and you had no idea where it was going? That's a, that's a pretty good way to put it, yeah. Yeah, okay. Because, I mean, your numbers aren't as as bad as the – they don't indicate you should even be behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and I agree with you there because when, you know, when I sit there and kind of add up numbers and, you know, look at it that way. I, I look at it and I'm like, okay, this is How massive, many kids have you got? We have five total. Oh, and how old are they? Uh, they range from teenagers down to seven. Okay. How yeah. many are in daycare? None. They're all in school. Yeah. Okay. Well, you can, you, you know. uh, well, our oldest, she works and, um, but you know, she, she just graduated high school. Yeah. But, um, and, and the, the main thing is, is that, you know, I, I think what, Okay, how, how many credit cards are you behind on? Uh, probably, I would say, it's a pretty good number, probably about 8 to 10. Mm. So there's a whole bunch of little ones. Yeah, yeah. And you're behind on almost all of them. Uh, I've got four myself that I'm... Okay, so that you said two have, gone, two have gone to collections? No, they're pretty much all in collections, but I have four that I've made a payment arrangements with, but two of them um, have filed lawsuits. Yeah, you said your wife got sued on one of them, right? Filed lawsuits. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cute. On how much? Uh, Hers is uh, a little bit over $3,000. Yeah. The same for mine. Oh, man. Okay. Let me just tell you, you live in Texas. Am I got that right? Is that the truth? That's correct. Okay. (laughs) Well, their lawsuit's useless. They can't garnish you wages or take a lien on a house in Texas. Right, right. So it's just hanging, their lawsuit's hanging out there in the ether. It's just dangling out there in the nothingness. It has, there's nothing they can do about it. Because with hers, we hired a lawyer. Why? And they're working on the case. Yeah. Why? It was was the fear thing at the time. I know. That's the thing, Sam. What you, like looking at the numbers that you've given us, maybe there's more debt out there that you haven't mentioned, but I think that you're way more 
what you're feeling is way more emotional than it is financial. It's like, oh my gosh, yeah. I've got 12 credit cards. They're suing us. You know, the kids are, it's like all these things going on. And if you just stop for a moment, if we really look at the numbers and look at the math, there's no reason that we can't list these from smallest to largest. Cause like Dave said, most of them are probably lower balances cause there's tons of them and they're only equaling up to 15 to 16,000. So my mm -hmm. guess is that if you can just kind of pull all of this out of space get it down on paper, like I said, list them smallest to largest, figure out what it looks like for you guys to get an extra one to $2,000 in every month and you're knocking them out like dominoes. How you're going to feel many, so much better. How many cars do you own? Um, we, we have two that we use for getting the kids around. Um, our oldest son has his own that he uses for school. And, and, and you bought it for him? Uh, it was, uh, he's a stepson and his dad gave it to him as a kid. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's just a little truck. Okay. I'm just trying to find out what's going on here. All right. So yeah. what did this lawyer tell you he could do that the law has they not already done for you in Texas? File yeah, they, they basically said that, uh, no, no, they just basically said that they could either get the case dismissed or work out some type of uh, lower settlement. Yeah. Essentially, that's all they had offered. Okay. Well, the case is not going to get dismissed. You owe the money. You lost. Mm -hmm. Right. You owe the money. You didn't pay it. You lose. Ding. Okay. Now. Then can we settle it for less? Well, sure. It's 3000 bucks. They can't collect it in Texas. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. of course, you can settle and, it for less. Um, and, and you can do that, with all, that, you can do that with all of these, by the way. And next time, don't use a lawyer. What did you pay the lawyer? A 750 Okay. I sure hope he gets 750 off the balance, at mm -hmm. least earns his keep. I don't, I don't know how he yeah. took your money in good conscience, but um, uh, yeah. all right. Now, the, the main thing I, I worry about is, like, because uh, I've heard that, you know, I, I understand they can't garage my wages but they could like take it from my bank account not you unless know, you give them the not unless you give them access to your bank account well, well they, I no, mean, they can, they like can, the they can take a lien oh, on it they, yeah. they can take a lien on it in texas that's true well don't keep if you got a bunch of money in your bank account i guess we'd pay the bills huh yeah i mean i, I really don't at the time but at, you know at the current moment but you know working yeah. on this here and building up you know that no i'm just I saying do. i'm just saying the if, if there was $10,000 in your bank account, you wouldn't have called me. Yeah. So you don't have any money in your bank account. So it's not a big fear. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So anyway, what we've got to do is A, get organized and get a very detailed plan. And B, let's prioritize. First mm -hmm. thing is house is paid. Our, our food, then house, then lights and water, then car. Are you behind on the car? No. Not at all. No. Okay, good. Stay current on the car. Go to work. And we're going to get you on an every dollar budget with Jade and put you in one of her webinars. When's your next webinar? Oh, gosh. It's not till November. I don't okay, know that then, we have an exact all right, we'll get, date we'll get for you, mine. We'll get you plugged into an every dollar webinar so you can learn how to do a budget with your wife. And cool. uh, we'll put you into Financial Peace University. Because basically what we're going to do is we're going to take care of food, shelter, clothing, transportation, and utilities first. You've got the money to do that. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to force rank these things and work them through. And lump sum settlement, all of them, each smallest to largest i'm not paying payments on them anymore i'm going to lump okay. some settlement you're behind uh the lawsuit is got no teeth where you live okay okay so just argue with them and say i'm broke i owe you three thousand uh, dollars you say it's five thousand after you added a bunch of fees mm -hmm. um i have two thousand if you'll take that and give me that in writing that that's a settlement in full remember that phrase and no electronic access to your checking account as jade said they will never know where your checking account is but um settlement in full in, in writing. writing 
and then I'll send you $2,000. Oh, you won't do that? Did you know there's nine other credit cards that will? Mm-hmm. One of them's going to take the money. I got you on the phone. Last chance. Going once, going twice. I'm going to the next card. Okay, second card. Here's what we're going to do. I just hung up on the other guy because he's an idiot. Let's see if you are. All right, and we're going to settle this. Going once and going twice. Yes, and you're going to work your way through this. And then you cycle back through after you finally get one to take the money. Then you pile up a little more money, and you start the whole process again. Remember last time I called you when you didn't take the deal? You sure you don't want to take it? Because I'm here with another deal, and I'm getting ready to go on to the second one. Going once, going twice. And this is how you deal with these people, because credit card collectors are scum. You can tell they're lying if their mouth is moving. So beat the snot out of them and get this cleaned up. That's what you do. This is The Ramsey Show. Our scripture of the day, James 1, 2, and 3. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Franklin Roosevelt said, when you're at the end of your rope, tie a knot and hold on. Amen. Kristen is with us in Madison, Wisconsin. Hi, Kristen. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi, Dave. Hi, George. Thank you so much for taking my call. Sure. What's up? Um, so my husband and I were newly married. Uh, we just finished baby step one this month. Uh, we have $45,000 in consumer debt and baby step two. And as we're laying them out, smallest to largest, we also have some other pretty big expenses that aren't necessarily debt. And we're just having a hard time figuring out where they should fall in our snowball. What are they? We have, um, so we have two vehicles. One of them we own outright. One of them we have a loan for $6,200, and the one that we have a loan on is broken down. Um, the rear differential is completely seized up. It's not drivable. It's going to be about a $2,000 fix. We're hoping to eventually fix it and then sell it to get rid of it. Um, also, we bought a house at the beginning of this year, and two weeks after we closed on our house, the pipes in the bathroom burst, and so that is currently completely gutted. We don't have a shower, uh, sink, um we at do have all, a functional or toilet, just in that bathroom? At all. Uh, that's the only bathroom we have in our house. So we've been showering at our mother-in-law's house. Um, we've been going over there to do that. For how long? And then um, for about six months, Goodness. seven months. Yeah. <laughs> She's two blocks away, which is great. She's super close. It's, but it's not definitely great. A pretty big There's nothing great about this. This sucks. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. What a mess. And we What do you guys make? wouldn't cover it. Um well, that's the other part. I lost my job recently, so currently my husband is working. Y'all need um, to write a country song. dollars an hour. We shower yeah, at my mother-in-law's, uh, and I lost my job. Yeah. <laughs> it's there's a lot. Wow. So what's he making? He's making eighteen dollars an hour right now. Doing what? Uh, he's a machine operator. What were you making? I was making sixty uh, k. I was a restaurant manager. Mm-hmm. Why'd you lose your job? Um, I was working in a restaurant. Um, I loved my job. The hours were not great. I was working 60 to 70 hours a week salary. So I took a different position in the same, it was another restaurant manager position. And I moved over to that. It was going to be 45 hours a week. Um, and that would salary also. So that would allow me a little more time. Um, but, uh, a couple weeks into that, they decided that I was not a good fit. Um, and they let me go. When was that? That was, 
That was in June. Why haven't you worked since June? Well, that's the other thing. My husband, um, he uh, had his driver's license suspended, and the car broke down. Um, so we were able. Why to did he have his driver's car. license suspended? I can't believe this. It's been suspended for um, for quite a while. He had to wait a couple years. Um, there was a period of time. DUI. To, for the points, yeah, and okay. then for the points to fall off, and so he can he's eligible to get it reinstated now, but it is it's about eight hundred dollars to pay all the fees and for everything, and then our insurance would go up. Okay, so your excuse that. is you're a full time driver for an eighteen dollar an hour guy. I'm calling bullcrap. That was a dumb idea. You make more than he makes. Yeah, and so we were able to share. Um, we were working in the same town. We were driving. Yeah, back when. But now with him being, yeah. Yeah, but now when. with you not having a job, you used driving him as an excuse to not get a job. So get another job, girl. Couldn't you drop him and then go work and then pick him up? Or he gets a ride? That's what I mean, they there's did a lot before. That's what you did before. Yeah, so we were, um, I can... I'm looking at getting, I've been doing, um, applying for jobs. There were a couple, I got to the second interview, um, restaurant manager positions and, um, you know, they ended up really not going anywhere. But now what I'm looking at is, um, what would I be wrong with Mike working 60 my- hours a week now? What was wrong with it then you were broke? Yeah. Um, it was mostly the schedule and driving back and forth and not being available to pick him up because I had to stay late to solve a problem at work. And, um, mm-hmm. so, then so you he, lost $60,000 cause he didn't buy an Uber. Yeah. Well, yeah. You Uber's need to, you guys need available. to, you guys need to both be committed to 60 to 80 hours a week, making $20 an hour. And you will solve a lot of these problems you have in a heartbeat. Instead, you're living in a house that's not even habitable because you don't even have a toilet or a shower, and you haven't worked since June. You guys have got to go create some money, girl. You went from 100k down to 36, and you got 45 in debt. So if we get you back the to work again, we can solve this. The debt is not your problem. Your income, the, the fact you guys don't make any money, is your problem, and you don't work much. Yeah. You both We've need. He doing- needs a new job. He needs a new job making twenty five an hour and two extra jobs making twenty an hour. And you need the sixty, seventy, eighty hour a week, sixty to eighty thousand to be the restaurant manager job. And buy him an Uber if you're stuck at work. I mean, can you wait tables in the meantime? Yes. Um. So that's what our next plan was. I can pay one hundred and twenty five dollars to reinstate my CNA. I have to go take the the test but then I would be able to get my CNA license back. And that's, I'm sorry. What is a CNA license? What is a CNA license? Certified nurse assistant. And what would that pay? Uh, $25 an hour. Why would you want to do that when you can make 60 as broke as you are? Why don't you go get you some money? I, I've been applying for restaurant manager positions. I had two, two where I went to the second interview, second interview uh, process. Um, I've applied for for more than those, but those are the ones where I was um, Kristen, interviewed. And you guys need to sit down. You guys it. need to sit down and figure out the way on the short term, not what your dream is, but the thing you can do that is moral and legal 
that allows you all to work the most hours and make the most money for about two years so you can get your shower fixed and get your debt paid off. But you're not going to do it with all these theories and all these limitations, and you're finding all kinds of reasons to not do this stuff. Um, really, honestly, 50 grand solves your whole life. 50,000 bucks. You could have made that since June. If he was working overtime and you were still working. And so you really have an income. Your perception of work and your perception of income on a temporary basis needs to change. That is your issue. Because you guys need to build, you know, $18. And I, I mean, in a, in a world where most people are making 25 to 30 okay? Uh, and, and no, you don't go get a CNA to make $25 an hour when you have the income potential of sixty to 80000 at a restaurant. And in the meantime, until you land that, you go get six jobs. And you guys work your tail ends off. I'm fixing my freaking toilet in my shower. This is crazy, y'all. Go make some money, girl. We want you to win. But you, you, you guys spend a lot of your mental, the, in talking to you, there's a lot of mental gymnastics on how, why we can't create an income. There was a lot of them. I mean, you're like a, a world-class gymnast. Well, and, I know life has happened to you. I know it has, but, it, but, you but it's got, got stuck in it. your head and you got this loop going and I'm trying to force you. Even if you get mad at me, I, I'm doing that because I love you. I'm trying to force you to rethink your view on work. Mm. Well, every question there was, well, there's a story behind. I know, but we at some point we just have to put it down and do it anyways and go to work anyways exactly. and do the job we don't want to do anyways. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah, you your fifty thousand dollars changes your whole life. You could go make fifty to a hundred thousand more than you made in the last twelve months in the next twelve months. Between the two of you, changing your view on work. That's how. That's how yeah. fast your life can turn around, and, and the desperation that you feel every day when you go to your mother-in-law's to take a shower will go away. That puts this hour of the Ramsey Show in the books. We'll be back with you before you know it. In the meantime, remember, there's ultimately one way to financial peace, and that's to walk daily with the Prince of Peace, Christ Jesus. Do you love a good Dave rant? Want to see the latest Ramsey Show videos going viral? Check out your favorite moments from the Ramsey Show on YouTube. Go watch and subscribe to the Ramsey Show channel on YouTube. Hey guys, I'm Rachel. And I'm George. And you've probably heard our voices before on The Ramsey Show. And do we have a surprise for you? Yep, we have our very own show, Smart Money Happy Hour, where we talk about pop culture, current events, and of course, money. George, it's a great show. And what else do we talk about? So much, Rachel. Not enough, and yet too much. We talk <laughs> about guilt tipping, because tipping is out of control, and I won't stand for it anymore, which is why I'm sitting. I'm glad you're taking such a stand. And we also sit. talk about something else I'm passionate about, Disney adults. Oh, George. Why is it a thing? Listen, some adults still find the magic. Sure. We also talk about toxic money traits and girl math. And there's if you don't know what those are, you have to listen to the podcast. Yeah, there's a lot there, you guys. It's pretty fun. We keep you relevant is what I'm trying to say. We help you out. So pull up a chair to the happy hour you wish your friends were having. We promise you won't regret it. And if you don't have friends, we'll be your friends. We will. We're great friends. So make sure to check it out on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or the Ramsey Network app.